Welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world, brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Stuart Martin, Chief Executive of the Catapult, and in this series, we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country and across the world, exploring the ways that space is being used to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better insight of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In today's bonus episode, we're discussing the historic rocket launch from UK soil happening later this year. Virgin Orbit's Launcher One will take flight from Spaceport Cornwall on a mission that will mark the first ever orbital launch from a UK spaceport and Virgin Orbit's first mission outside of the US. I'm joined remotely from California by Dan Hart, Chief Executive of Virgin Orbit, from London by Matthew Archer, Commercial Space Director at the UK Space Agency, and from Cornwall by Melissa Thorpe, Head of Spaceport Cornwall. The UK is home to some of the world's leading space companies and satellite manufacturers, but they've never before been able to launch from the UK territory itself, until now. We are now on the cusp of a major milestone as a spacefaring nation. The mission from Spaceport Cornwall marks the beginning of a new domestic launch market as the UK completes its end-to-end ecosystem, enabling companies to design, build, launch and operate their spacecraft all from one place. This historic launch is bringing together a combination of skills, capabilities, infrastructure and organisations of all sizes from across the UK and beyond to support innovation and ensure that companies operating in space have the skills and the resources they need to make themselves a success. So Dan, if I may begin with you, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. So as we just heard, uh, you know, this is the first launch for Virgin Orbit outside of the US. What brings you to the UK and uh, what excites you most about this opportunity from this launch? You know, we've been having discussions uh, about launching in the UK since well before we launched for the first time. And, you know, we, we partnered with uh, Cornwall Council and the UK Space Agency and then the RAF with the understanding together that, you know, space has become such an important part of the world economy the, the objectives of the UK and the history of the UK have been really uh, steeped in small satellites and space. And uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to be part of that ecosystem um, and to be able to bring a new technology in space launch, this liquid air launch system that we've developed that can take an airport and overnight turn it into a spaceport and in doing so serve the local um, economic ecosystem better science for understanding the area and the world environment and, and important aspects of responsive space for national security. And so being able to plug that technology into the UK and, and fulfill some of its um, needs uh, is incredibly exciting for us and, and follows a long history of collaboration between the UK and the US on all sorts of matters. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Dan. I said, yeah, I mean, it, it really is an exciting new development for, for launch technology in general and you know, the opportunity to, to, to make it much more flexible. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, Matthew, so launch has been a part of the UK space strategy now for a number of years. What does it feel like to, to be so close now to bringing that to reality? And what does it mean for other areas of the, of the strategy now, now that it really is on the horizon? It, it's a really interesting feeling. It, it's one where for government, it's been you know, a journey of five plus years in this program, whether that's the early conversations that Dan mentions around kind of 
bringing Virgin over to the UK, whether that's setting up the regulatory system that we needed to enable it, the funding that we offered to support it and encourage that. It, it's a real testament, I think, to the collaboration that space requires to be successful. Like the reality is we wouldn't be here without each other and combined effort of many people to make this launch happen. And, and I'll, I'll sort of expand that to the National Space Strategy. It was launched a year ago and it is the kind of first thing that's on kind of 10 point plan. So it's a major achievement for the UK. It's one that we committed to achieve and lots of effort has gone into it. And it, it should be seen as a commitment to what else is in the space strategy. So whether that's furthering our Earth observation capability, whether that's looking after and unleashing kind of a world-class science aspect in the UK. There's a whole bunch of things that we in the space strategy set our ambitions to and said, look, we want to be a big player in space. Bringing launch to enable that is a key factor. It enables kind of broader access for the UK. It builds on our historic kind of strengths in satellite manufacturing. Um, and again, uh, the UK still manufactures more satellites with the exception of California, anywhere else in the world. And um, so again, a massive achievement for the UK to build on, and it doesn't have to go to the US to launch. Um, so again, it reopens up a new commercial opportunity. Um, and again, will be a, a source of growth for years to come. So yeah, really excited. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. And, and you know, I, I think I'm probably the only one on the call here today who was around when that first decision in the UK to support a, a, a domestic launch was taken. Uh, and yeah, what excites me is that the the vision we had then was that we saw that the existing launch capability was not going to support the type of space systems that were coming online over the next 10 years. It wasn't the right type of offering. Uh, and now what we're seeing with, with Virgin Orbit is a, a much more flexible launch system, a much more responsive launch system that is going to support the new types of technology that are coming to market now. And really, you know, the sky is not the limit for what we can achieve from this point forward. It's very exciting. So, Mel, let's let's come to you now. Um, so, can you tell us a bit about what's been going on at Spaceport Cornwall for the last few weeks and how you've been preparing for this historic moment? It's been all the action in the last few weeks. Um, we've had many years of preparation and suddenly we have launch equipment on site and the carrier aircraft on site and the humans um, from Virgin Orbit on site. So it's been a massively exciting few weeks. I don't think it's quite hit us all yet, um, but kind of back-to-back -back arrival of Cosmic Girl and, and the rocket and the ground support equipment um, was it was a huge milestone for, for all of us here in Cornwall and the UK. Um, so really exciting on that front. Um, we're busy now just finalizing the licensing um, which is the last thing that we need in place. And we're really close to, to being there. And that's been a, a monumental effort from many different people to get to that point. And it's the first time ever as well. So there's so many firsts in this launch. And, um, you know, it's it's just been a big team effort across all the stakeholders throughout the UK and, and our friends over in the US as well. So it's, it's culminating in, in, you know, the weeks before launch. And um, it's a mix of excitement, a mix of a lot of hard work still to, to come. Um, but I think the best thing about all of this is we're all, you know, motivated towards that one thing. You know, all of us are working towards that launch. Um, so when times get tough, we, you know, we pick each other up, definitely. 
Yeah, brilliant. And as you say that, you know, there's not only the technology achievement here, it's the you know, all the processes, all the new regulation that we've, that we've been you know, running through for the first time. And uh, you know, all of that now coming together in this in this one historic moment. I wonder if you could just say a little bit about, you know, on board this launch, we've got satellites coming from all over the UK, from Scotland, from Wales, and, and obviously from England as well. I mean, what do you see as the significance of that for the future of the UK space sector? I think for our first mission ever out of the UK, it's just a great showcase of the different um, kind of space clusters around the UK using it. And that's the whole reason that we're creating launch capability here in the UK is that our small satellite manufacturers and our space companies in the UK have a place where they can um, load their satellite onto a lorry and it can come down the M5 and, and launch rather than be shipped overseas. So capturing that market and that market is in places like Wales and it is in places like Scotland and, and Harwell and not just in London. And I think it's been a great example of of those different areas coming you know to this mission and you know i'm really glad that our first um, manifest is so diverse um not just throughout the uk but we have you know a u.s satellite on there we have uh, a polish satellite so it's it, again it's just a great showcase of of how we'll, we're able to service all these different marketplaces and then help some of those areas develop as well and grow like with space forge around cardiff and and up in scotland as well as it's just supporting those clusters as well as our own down here in cornwall so for me it's just a, a fantastic diverse manifest that we can, so many different stories out of that that are that are all good for the uk yeah, it's a great national and international story, absolutely. So, Dan, again, so it, now that we're looking to move to a, a truly sustainable future, you know, it, it, that international collaboration is becoming more and more important. And what does this mean for launch and for international collaboration and for Virgin Orbit? Well, first of all, from a sustainability point of view, you know, we've created a launch system that reuses an airplane and reuses a runway of an airport to get to space. So, you know, the impact on the local area is, is so much smaller. History has is dozens of pictures of the beautiful nature of, uh, of a wetlands and, and a powerful rocket blasting off. And, you know, there's a certain poetry associated with that. But in today's lens, you look at that and say, there's an enormous amount of soot and smoke that's pouring out into the nature and an acoustic wave that is is frankly damaging the wildlife and and we don't do any of that you know as we look forward there's there's things that we can do in sustainable aircraft fuel for our, our airplane and hopefully eventually sustainable fuel for rockets as well uh, because we use kerosene currently and so there's there's a tremendous amount there but the biggest thing that space has done is it has made us aware of what we're doing to our um, we would not know about greenhouse gases. We would not know really about the the extent and effects of climate change. And we wouldn't have some of the tools of what to do about it. You know, I've heard numbers like GPS reduces the amount of gas each one of us uses by about 15%. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I know it helps me quite a bit to avoid traffic. You know, our logistics systems operate more efficiently. Uh, we're able to communicate like we're communicating now without maybe hopping on airplanes. So we become a more efficient species and there's so much opportunity in space to do so much more in detecting and understanding what we're doing with our environment. I mean, think about if an oil spill could be identified in minutes instead of days. 
what that would do for our, our impact to the world. Think about if, if firefighters in the, in the outskirts had data from an hour ago of what was going on with the fire instead of yesterday. You know, there, there's an enormous amount we can do, and that's what we're all about. Brilliant. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I, we're just scratching the surface of, of, of the art of the possible at the moment, and, and that's what makes all of this so exciting. Um, so Spaceport Cornwall is located at an operational airport. I mean, how does this differentiate SPC from, from other launch sites, and you know, what do you see as the big advantages of that? For us, it all comes down to that integration piece. We're, we're all about integrating launch into an active airport, a civilian airport. And there's a few benefits from that that we've, we've realized. One is we're able to offer launch for a bit of a lower cost because we don't have all the kind of infrastructure um, requirements from creating a launch pad in the middle of, you know, somewhere that's often quite remote. We have our launch pad already there, which is the runway. And with that, we're also able to do it in a way that's maybe a bit more um, environmentally um, sensitive in that, again, we're not starting from scratch. We're not building anything brand new. This, the buildings that we have put in are, have just been replacing derelict um, properties. So we haven't had to encroach on any kind of nature around the site at all. And we could have launched with Virgin Orbit from day one. Our, our facility is so capable and we, we um, have 747s coming and going throughout the past. So we were able to do it, turn that around quite quickly. And I think that's why we've been able to kind of go through the regulations as fast as we have, is that we're already an operational airport. We work with the CIA every single day as an airport. Um, and for us, this is just a, almost a delta on top of that. There's additional activities that we're doing. Also, um, what we've realized is at the minute, we have people sitting on their flights off to Alicante and Dublin and Gatwick, and they look out their window and they see Cosmic Girl. They see a rocket. And what we're getting on social media is just, tons of inspirational kind of photos and excitement from having launch be so accessible. And, you know, I, I think it's something that I don't know how we'll, we'll capture, but it's just that, that inspiration and aspiration piece from people being able to see something, you know, really close up has been quite a nice surprise for us as well, being an airport that has a, has a launcher on it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was evident at the G7 conference last year as all the sort of the delegates flew into Newquay and they were they were there right next to the spaceport and you you could you know, they were able to come in and see what you were doing and just get that sense of uh, you know the excitement building up for launch there and then without having to go you know anywhere else. So it's it's a it's a you know, huge opportunity there being next to the airport. I mean, Matthew, I mean, from the space agency point of view, you know, sustainability and and you know the the the. The ambition of a, a safe and sustainable commercial market for for uh, the space industry. You know, what does that mean for you? For me, it means yeah, exciting opportunities for local communities. Like it's the element of we're not in the game of just doing one-off launches. Like we want to establish the capability. So when we talk about the first launch, it, it's going to be the first of many. It's going to be the first of more. And whether that's from uh, Spaceport Cornwall with Virgin Orbit, whether it's from Scotland with uh, Orbex or ABL, potentially High Impulse or others, that the reality is we set our regulations up in a way to encourage, if you like, the minimization of any environmental impact. So we're not going to get away from the fact that launch has an impact. But the reality is, as Dan's kind of pointed to, the technologies that we invest in and we put into space offer such vast opportunities for us to then measure our planet and see our planet in very different ways 
and give us much better intelligence to be able to then target climate change response. The, the, the offset is relatively small, and I think it's a really important thing for us to invest in the future that is a high-tech industry and is going to bring jobs to areas in the UK that traditionally aren't well-serviced and, again, have really struggled with some industries. So again, that's a particular point for me around sustainability of community and economic impact that a new industry is coming to support those towns and people. Um, so, yeah, a really important part that we have to play. Yeah, as Dan said, we only know what we know about the, the, the environmental challenge we have on our planet because of what we've been able to see from space. What we haven't yet really started to do is use that same power to, to, to start to find solutions. And that's, you know, that's the opportunity ahead of us. Yeah, and just to give an example, I think, so I, I was down at um, SSTL visiting EarthEye a few months ago, and they were doing some amazing work with a water company to do a trial of where could they identify water leaks from space based on vegetation health that they could only do from space in terms of the quantity of the area. Like at the moment, if somebody turns up on the ground to check for a water leak, their accuracy rate is 50-50 at best. Do it from space, they were averaging eight out of 10. So you, know, you think about that as a 30% improvement just by being able to take kind of earth observation imagery, which is a relatively simple technology nowadays, but it's because we're investing in different tools and thinking about our planet in different ways, offers the opportunity to be so much more efficient in the way that we apply on our own technology and our efforts to improve outcomes for people on the ground. So, and if I could jump in on that, you know, there's also, similarly, there's incredible work being done on methane right now. Mm. I mean, the world leakage of methane from oil rigs and 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 in the energy sector is an unknown uh, to some degree but we know there's vast amounts coming out only recently are we able to start to trigger on where is it coming from and starting to apply pressure on those companies on those countries that are responsible for that and that may be one of the biggest sources of 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 greenhouse gases and and climate change absolutely you can't do anything about what you can't see so, exactly yeah. So, Melissa, you, you've shared previously your ambitions for Spaceport Cornwall to be the first net zero spaceport in the world. Can you tell us a bit more about how that's going and how does this launch fit in with, the, with those ambitions? So quite a few years ago, before the pandemic, we had to raise the re remaining piece of the funding that we needed through Cornwall Council. And at the same time, they declared the climate emergency. And quite quickly, we realised those two things look a bit strange from the outside. How can you declare a climate emergency, but then go and fund a spaceport, which on the surface looks very impactful to the environment. And it woke us up to this irony that is in the industry at the minute, which is we're sending all these incredible technologies to space to do amazing things for our planet and the people on this planet and our environment. But the way that they're getting there does actually impact our, our atmosphere as well as on the ground. And so what we want to do is to change that so we can truly become part of the solution. So look across the entire launch um, ecosystem from the way that satellites are being built to the processes of, of integrating them 
to the launch itself, what fuels, what happens to the fairings when they drop in the sea, um, what happens when the satellites get up there with space debris and looking at sustainability, not just on the ground, but in space as well, um, and capturing all of that through a life cycle analysis, which um, the University of Exeter have started for us and will continue to do. All this comes back to transparency. We don't really know where we are. A lot of launch and spaceports don't know where they are. So starting to look at actually, first of all, what is our impact? Because only then can we decide how to decrease that impact. Um, so I'd say that's where we are in the process right now is understanding what that impact is. And then our next steps over the next few years will just be identifying where our biggest impacts are and how we not just mitigate those or offset that, but actually how do we bring it down? So at the minute, it looks like the transit of the 747 is probably one of the biggest impacts we have. And if we can crack the biofuel and aviation fuel element, then that almost decreases our overall impact altogether. So just picking off some of those 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 initial um, impacts. And our first ambition is just to get to carbon neutral and then very much, you know, can we get to net zero? Is that feasible? Bringing in people that understand it. I'm not a sustainability expert, but I do know sustainability experts and they are critical friends. They will hold us to account and having those challenging conversations with them so that they can help us get there. So that's how we're approaching it. Um, but we need, we do need help. And then for us, it's about then helping other spaceports, other launch operators to look at theirs as well and, and kind of challenge them to do the same. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, the one, the one thing that's for sure is that, you know, look, looking at this at the national level, now that we have our own launch capability, for the first time, our environmental impact of launch is under our control. And we can think about how we, you know, how, how we resolve that ourselves. We're not reliant on, on third parties making those decisions for us. So that's, in that respect, at least, it, it, it's, it's a very big step forward. Dan, could you tell us a little bit more about the satellites that make up the payloads on Launcher One? And what what do these technologies mean specifically in in terms of our future ahead? Well, there's been a transformation that has gone on in space. Um, it's incredibly exciting, and what has happened, the Launcher One system is has been built to to launch a new generation of spacecraft, small satellites, usually going to low Earth orbit, but but potentially elsewhere, including including lunar and, and interplanetary also. Um, but what's happened is the same kind of technology that has made smartphones so incredibly capable is allowing satellites that are small to do the kind of work that used to be reserved for satellites the size of a school bus. And that's a, a result of tech, the electronics technology, electronic propulsion, communications, power system. It's all come together in these small satellites. And so what we're seeing is, you know, a lot of the things we've just talked about, whether it's communication systems to allow us to communicate more effectively, Earth observation systems, national security systems. I mean, think about what we are all seeing right now in the tragedy that's been being unfolded in over Ukraine. We can all see and understand the truth as, as a world population only because we're seeing it in our living rooms. And by the way, the imagery that we're seeing used to be reserved for some dark rooms in military bases, you know, in the world. And now we're all sitting with our families and and being able to see exactly what's going on. So in every sector, it's really these satellites are really providing incredible new capability. 
on this, the, the launch that's coming up, we have everything from manufacturing in space to uh, detection of RF signals from illegal shipping that might be illegal fishing, trafficking, piracy with these small satellites, Earth observation, as I mentioned, as well as, as other national security collaboration between the U.S. and the U.K., um, it's you know it's a world activity. There are satellite companies that have popped up all over the world. I mean, there as as Matt mentioned, there's a whole host of them in the UK. I mean, from Surrey to Clyde Space to Spaceforge to Catapult to Horizon. I mean, there are a whole bunch that are that have grown up and, and across the world as well. Because the bar of how what kind of capital you need to build a satellite has come way down. It used to be billion dollars or more to get into the business. Now, if you have 30,000 square feet um, and a bit of equipment, you can start producing satellites. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, this the, this launch marks the start of a new era and the impact that we're going to have over that time frame. But, you know, even just looking at what's on this one launch, you can see what a difference some of these companies are going to make and some of this technology is going to make to uh, you know, solving some of these you know, genuinely global challenges. Um, so, Matthew, what's next? What will the future of launches from the UK look like? That's that's the million-dollar question for all of us uh, that we think about the UK market. And I suppose the easy, the easy answer to start with is yeah, the Virgin Orbit launch is the first of our three Pathfinder launches. That was what the program was established to, to do and achieve. So uh, the next step, at the very least, looks like a Pathfinder launch from either Sutherland or Shetland. Don't know who will be first. It'll be interesting to see when we get to. Venice will have one Pathfinder launch each location in the north of Scotland. Um, again, two very different sizes of vehicles. So you'll have Orbex that will take up to about 200 kilos uh, into a polar orbit and ABL space systems. Again, they're looking at up to a tonne. So again, they're two launches that we are sort of tracking and working with those, those teams on. And then beyond that, we're investing more in, in the launch technology supply chain, as well as kind of looking at how we might incentivize future launches from the UK. Um, but certainly between now and 2030, we're looking at rising from the initial kind of launch uh, this year, hopefully reaching kind of 10 to 14 launches by 2030 uh, every year. So again, a big growth that we're expecting over the coming years. Again, I think reflects the, the trend that Dan's kind of pointed to is Technology gets better every year. It gets smaller every year and it gets cheaper every year. And it's one that we start to see and have seen over the past decade. It's a real move from sort of billion dollar satellites that were really big and these are very heavy vehicles to get you into orbit to something that is much more responsive to customer demand, much smaller, can often put in multiple CubeSats at one time. So it gives you a great opportunity to get your service up and running to customers um, on a much more frequent basis, and that's where we're aiming to be as the UK, is to kind of aim to look at trying to achieve a launch every month. And that gives kind of customers the range of options about who do they go with, how do we get into orbit, how do we generate a service to customers as quickly as possible. Yeah, thank you. I mean, what excites me is that, you know, so often when when something, a new capability or a new technology comes into, into being, it's very difficult to predict in advance what you're going to use it for. But once it's there, People are are always so quick to come up with new ways of using it, and and, I, and I'm I'm really excited, looking forward to you know what what 
ideas people are going to come up with about how we now use this new launch capability. I think it's going to open up a, a completely new era of you know, in-space logistics, um, in-space manufacturing, orbital assembly, you know, moving raw, raw materials into space. Uh, it, it's it's a completely different way of thinking about how we access space and how we how we make use of all the different capabilities that we now have at our disposal. So, um, yeah, really exciting time. It, it is. And just to add, the, so we did part of our regular survey in terms of assessing the size and health of the UK economy. One of the questions that we asked was, given we are bringing on launch, and this will probably be good news for Dan, he said, with launch on the horizon, is it starting to give people thought about either generating new revenue, so are they actually generating new revenue now or are actively thinking about how to utilise that capability? And we've seen the response rate been way above expectation to saying at least 15% of UK space firms have either seen a growth in their income because they are supporting those supply chains or are actively considering how to use launch. Um, so again, you're right, that kind of bringing on board a new capability just sparks that imagination and that sense of, this isn't something that I have to travel thousands of miles to access. What's the new opportunity for me and how do I make that work for my company? Brilliant. Um, so Mel, what's next? For, you know, once Launcher One has completed its journey, what will you be turning your attention to then? A holiday, <laughs> I think. <laughs> a nap and a holiday. Um, yeah, I think uh, the team we've been we've been pushing very hard for quite a long time, and um, yeah, I think we all we all need a, a bit of a celebration, a break, and then back at it. And for us, that means you know working on the next launch with with Virgin. Um, what does that look like? Um, our own satellite, Colonel Sat One, so our, um, our ocean monitoring satellite that we're building at the minute. So hopefully getting that on the second launch out of Cornwall next year, and then we're you know look, shifting attention to developing um, the supply chain around launch on site. So we have a brand new facility that will be open from March, um, filling that with you know, like-minded businesses that want to come in co-locate, but also that fit that mold of helping us towards that that carbon neutrality and, and decarbonization across the life cycle. Um, and then working with um, other partners like Sierra Space um, on their feasibility on using our site as a return landing site for Dream Chaser. We want to be a multi-user space port. So, you know, starting to develop those relationships with other launch operators as well is, is going to be crucial for creating, you know, a sustainable business model and a commercial business model for Spaceport Cornwall for the UK. And, and definitely sharing best practice with the other launch locations, um, working with the sites up in Scotland about what we've learned through the licensing process, how what's what's been good, what hasn't. For us, it's about creating this, this UK launch platform, not just in Cornwall, but, you know, from the vertical lift as well. And and, and really just developing that whole capability and, and supporting one another in that. So there's a lot to do after this first launch, but we definitely do not want, you know, another black arrow. We don't want this to be a one-hit wonder. It will not be a one-hit wonder and, and we'll ensure that we have a, you know, a sustainable cadence that grows over the coming years. Yeah, well, I mean, just even thinking about the to-do list afterwards, it looks like that holiday is going to be very well uh, deserved. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to finish then with a sort of a, a personal question then for each of you, starting with you maybe, Dan. You know, what does it mean personally for you, having spent you know, your, your 
the, your time now working in the space industry and and building up this your your company in Virgin Orbit. So, how is it important for you uh, this event, this milestone of uh, Launcher One in the UK? Well, you know, we built the company around a purpose of opening space for everybody, in in recognition that space is becoming a another place to transport people and goods to that, that help us here on Earth. Um, from a personal perspective of, I'll say for myself and the people in this company, um, the connection that we have formed with the people in Cornwall um, and, and the, the welcoming that we've gotten there, the response and the teamwork uh, together to open up a gateway to space is incredibly exciting. You know, we were in Cornwall a year ago uh, around the G7 and had quite a bit of interaction. And um, I would say, you know, you could just feel the excitement about the potential. Um, and, and I think everybody in the company is feeling that and it's driving us every single day. Thank you. Yeah, that's very tangible. And Matthew, how about you? What, what does this mean for you personally? Uh, for me personally, um, I suppose kind of momentous challenge, but also, you know, not, not many people get to say that they will have delivered a new industrial capability for a country and brought it to the UK. And I think that's, that's resonated with my team and the partnership that we have with Virgin Orbit is, is one that we know we've had a lot to do. And yeah space is hard right you've got to get it right and i think there's an immense sense of personal achievement and being proud but also fundamentally that we've brought a new capability that offers jobs to the uk so for me it's a it's an enduring benefit that knows we've delivered something on a national scale that demonstrates that government can deliver complex things which is always kind of something that's tested in the media um but for me personally, it's, it's the kind of challenge and rising to it of something that is unknown, very complicated, and we've been able to deliver it with Virgil and Spaceport Cornwall. So, yeah, a very proud moment when it comes. And I'm sure uh, when we're there, um, I'll be sharing a drink with Dan and Mel when we get there. And, and if, I could, if I could just add, Matt, you know, the other piece I, we've talked about a lot is, is as we've engaged with, with school children and you know, the, the change that you see forming in their brains when they think this isn't something that happens in some faraway place, this is something that we do here. And that's, I think that's fantastic. That That's so easy to overlook the, the inspirational element of uh, uh, and that, that horizon opening uh, capability that space has for, for, for you know, the next generation. Well, so, I mean, you've talked about, you know, this has been a, a, a long-term endeavour and, you know, the, the, certainly the last few months have, have been very intense. But, you know, what does it mean for you personally now that we're so close to this, this major milestone? And um, you know, looking forward, you know, what do you think success looks like for, for Spaceport Cornwall and for the broader uh, UK sector once we have this new uh, capability up and running? Um, I think from a UK perspective, success for me will look like that we create this launch capability and we do it in a way that we're developing these regulations that are really going to lead globally in responsible launch, how we launch more sustainably, more ethically, 
and really consider what we are putting into space and what it's doing when it's up there and what it's doing when when it's no longer needed. And I think the UK have a huge role to play in that. And I think as space becomes more regulated, people will look to places like the UK who have these regulations and think, okay, yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be going to space, I want to do it from there. So I think for me that would be success. That would be us here at Cornwall starting to set that pace and to help the UK fill that that global niche. And I think there is a big opportunity in there. I think for us, it's space for good, you know, bringing space down to earth, opening up um, the general public's eyes to how they can be involved in space, how they use it every single day and how they have an opinion, you know, of what does happen as as humans start to go out. And so for me, that's that's definitely what success will look like UK-wide. Personally, it means a lot. Um, My team's very small, it's really passionate about what this means for Cornwall and the people in Cornwall. And I think I'm just really proud of how we've handled ourselves. It's been it's been a roller coaster. It's been very dramatic. There's been ups and downs, but we've always kept to our purpose of, of good space and, and doing it for, for our communities here in Cornwall. And so for me, I'm just massively, massively proud of my team and my family who supported me. You know, it's it's not easy. It's been complete dedication to the role, which means I don't get to do the school run as much as I'd love to do. And I don't get to be at every family meal that I would love to. But it's so important for me as a woman to do this role, which a lot of, you know, it's mainly mainly men that do it to show that, you know, I can be a mom and I can have a job like this. And I, I can I can do it in a way that I'm proud of as well and, and slightly differently than potentially a man would have approached it in the past. So I think for me, it's it's quite a personal thing in that I have a responsibility to kind of open that that door to, to women behind coming up behind me. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. I think that's a that's a brilliant point to end on there. So thank you. That was great. Thank you to Dan, Matthew and Melissa for that fantastic insight into all the work that has gone into making this launch possible and the huge opportunities that it presents for UK and organisations across the world in delivering the benefits of space to everyone. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you all again after the launch. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app and to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join us on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.